Everybody ready? Come on, let's go. Yo, what's up? Welcome to the show. My name is Rick Thorne. On this episode, I got a good friend of mine. We met years ago on the Warp Tour. She's an amazing musician and artist. Her name is Biebs. I'm going to call her right now. Let's do this. So what's up, man? How's your day doing? You doing good? <laughs> yeah, my day's good. You know, I woke up early for you. I was proud of myself. Set my alarm. I was like, I need to wake up an hour before so my brain's turned on. And uh, I don't have frog throat. So thank you for the motivation, which means I'm going to be way more productive today waking up before 10 a.m. So. There you go. Yeah, me too. Uh, it was funny. <laughs> is my kids, when they get up for school, because you know, they do school from home, and I'm like, yo, it's, it's easier for all of us because I don't have to get up. And then they just kind of get up and go right on their computer. And so I just kind of lay in bed for a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, Otherwise... Otherwise, it's the other way around. If you got to take them to school, you got to make breakfast, get them up, get them ready, let's go, drive, sit in traffic. It's like, you know, it's an hour and a half just to do that. So I'm like, I'm going to stay in bed. But anyways, I'm glad you're up. And, uh, yes, I'm up. Me too. And I'm glad Thank we got you. this connection here going with these phones. Um, so yeah, man, I wanted to talk to you about a, a bunch. You got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, first off, G Love and the Special Sauce, dude. You did a song with him. Helium. Yeah. How'd that come Super about? Uh, well, I mean, we've been seeing each other around the country on tour. I've been a huge Gila fan for a long time. And um, I think we, like, first met, met in, like, 2015 at a festival we were both playing called California Roots Festival. And I was coming out of my jam in the van session. He was going in. I was like, I love your music. I want to collab one day. He was like, okay, here's my number. I was like, sick. So... <laughs> So we stayed in touch, and, you know, I would come jam with him, and we kept talking about collabing forever, like 2016, probably 15. And um, and I start, when I came out to California, I started working with a bunch of different producers, one of them being my homie that I met my first year on Warp Tour, Red, uh, this dude Red from a band called Red Gold Green. And uh, we started working on this track, and my girl Kayla from this band Tank and the Bangas in New Orleans came over and I started hosting these writing sessions and we wrote this song and I was like this is the one this is the one for G because we kept trying to collab but touring schedules are crazy and you always have high hopes of, like getting shit done with people but you know life is insane when you're living on the road and trying to get people's schedules to link up so I sent him over the I sent him over the song and he was like yes this is definitely the one let's go and we happened to shortly after I sent him the song we happened to be playing the same festival in, like, 2019. We were both playing Halloween, and we played, these are my makers, played right before him. So I was like, yo, let's just try it out on stage. I had the band learn a version of it, and um, we tried it out. He's like, yeah, we're going to do this song. So we ended up recording it. He recorded his parts a couple months later, and then we shot the video um, last year as tours were getting canceled. <laughs> like, so, um, you know, shout out to G. He kept the vibes up. Like, you have to, by the end of the video shoot, half his tour had been canceled, you know. And um, so, yeah, we, we got it done last year, and then we just released it. Because it was weird. It was a weird vibe. It was, like, a really uplifting track, and then all hell broke loose. And 
none of it not that we you know weren't all staying uplifted and positive i was like i don't know if this is what i want to release right now i don't know what's happening in the world like our whole livelihoods have been taken away from us you know and um and so you know we decided as things started to are starting to sort of you know open up and people are figuring out and vaccines have been rolled out and people are navigating their way through this new world and i was like maybe now is a good time and um, and shout out to G2, he just got nominated for a Grammy, which was awesome, for Best Contemporary Blues Album, for his new album, The Juice, so yeah, it all worked out, and, and it's the first single off, like, a long string of albums and singles that I'll be releasing, so, um, super stoked that it finally, ha- you know, came out, like, we worked really hard on that track, and, you know, I, like I said, me and, uh, Red and Kayla started the track, and then I brought it to the studio, Andy Kravitz studio, and, um, Venice, who actually he's from Philly, and he's like, I was like, I'm making this track for G Love, and he's like, Oh, dude, I helped put his first band together back in Philly. I'm definitely want to play drums on this. And he ended up laying down drums, and then Norwood from Fishbone laid down bass, and my guitar player out here, Joe Keith, laid down guitar, and uh, Scott Page from Pink Floyd played sax on it, and it just became like this all star badass track. Like before I knew it, I was like, Yeah, correct. Right. You guys so, got a music video for it. Yeah, we just released it uh, like a week ago. It's under Beebs Helium featuring G Love and Kayla Jasmine. That's awesome. I'm stoked for you. You know, I, I saw G Love's badass. I saw him in St. Louis like years, years ago when I lived there. Like I don't know, man. It was like in the in the mid '90s, and then. Uh, I did an interview with him for um, ESPN when I used to work for them for X Games and stuff. No way! You yeah. did? Yeah. Awesome. Well, we we actually did some stuff together. I got to dig up the photo. I got a photo of me and him together because he was always smooth. You know what I mean? I mean, he probably still is, but something about him, he was just he came out. He was cool. You know what I mean? And he's uh, the coolest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I love him because he's just so much his own thing. Like, sure, you can put it in a genre, I guess, but I just. I feel like he's such his own style and made his own, you know, it's like a mix between blues and uh, hip-hop, but, you know, very hip-hop based. He's actually, like, a really dope rapper, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I feel like people don't think about that that often, but he's, he's just a fire, fire artist and so much in his own lane, and I really have an appreciation for people that have their own sound and their own thing you know yeah well that's what it seems like that's what people want to do all the time is they always say oh you're in a band who do you sound like and i always like even with my band i'm always like dude it's not like i went home and i was like who okay who am i gonna bite off of you know what i'm saying like yeah like okay it's such a weird question (laughs) yeah like like do you get that like show you play music show show who do you who 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 do you want to be besides yourself yeah Yeah, it's really strange like you know, people, oh, who do you sound like? I, I, myself, I hope, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, we're all a culmination of the things we grew up on or listened to, or, I mean, so it all lives in there somewhere, but, yeah, I never wake up and go, okay, today I want to sound like so-and-so, or I'm gonna, you know, it's like, yeah, it's always, and I, I think that's just because the music industry has broken everything up into categories, you know, and, that's the one thing I loved about being on Warp Tour was, like, there wasn't categories. I mean, there was, but we were all playing together. Like, you got to tour with bands that you would never tour with because that's not how the industry does things. I think there's only two kinds of music. It's, like, good or not. 
Like, I don't really think so. I don't think of music in terms of genre. And uh, I hope one day, like, I see as shows start coming back, like, I hope to see lineups where it's a bunch of different, quote-unquote, genres of music because, honestly, I don't think it does anybody any favors to have lineups of the same type of music because, for me, my ears, it just all sounds the same after a while. And I remember back in the day when there would be, like, a punk rock band, a ska band, a hip-hop band, like, all, you know, a rock band all on the same bill, which did a lot for the artists because now they're getting cross crossover exposure between crowds and people are getting exposed to new stuff. You know, instead of just like, oh, it's the same type of music all day. That's weird to me. Well, I would, oh, yeah, it's absolutely. Well, I think people want to classify things like they do that more than just music. You know, if you do, right. if you if you're good at sports and then you go do TV, people go, do you not do sports anymore? And then you go from TV to radio, and they go, you don't do TV anymore. It's like people want to put you uh, either subconsciously in a box so they understand yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like it's okay. so weird. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's it is it's the same for me. It's like, oh, well, you do art now or you do clothing now and do you still play me? It's like it all goes together. Like, I, I just think being a creative doesn't isn't limited to one thing. Like, you know, you I that's why I kind of, you know, I adore you because you do all these different things and your creative outlet knows no bounds. And same for me. I appreciate people like that who don't allow themselves to be boxed in to anything like I wake up in the morning and I don't say I'm a musician I say I'm a producer of life I'm, I'm a creative like whatever I'm passionate about that's what I'm going to do today not exclusive to any one thing you know yeah absolutely um hang on one second sorry my kids uh I'll, I'll, edit, <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that out but my daughter plays volleyball no they should be in class, and they're playing volleyball in the living room. I'm like, come on, guys. I That's so, but volleyball is way more fun than class. Like, I played volleyball in junior high and high school. It's such a fun game. I wouldn't want to do homework at the school either, so well, I yeah, yeah, no, I, I support her. I just, I'm trying to do this interview, and I'm like, here in the background, I'm just waiting for something to go. Like, <laughs> I think that people are taught, like, when they grow up, like, pick one thing you want to be that you want to be when you get older. And it's like, and so when you do that, once you reach a point where you're like, I could do other stuff too, you don't have to do just one thing. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's where people, it's hard for people to find one thing that they like to do in life. If you're blessed to find two or three different things you like to do and can excel at them, that's like a gift. You know, like that doesn't happen to a lot of people, even though we're all capable of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's just the, the, you know, um, that's just the society that we're bred into, right? Like you said, it's like the whole system is go to school, get good grades, get a, a good job, you know, go to college for said job or whatever, and then you do that. I think that's how people have midlife crisis because they wake up one day after 30 years or 25 years and they're like, I've been doing the same shit this whole time. I don't even know if I liked it. And I feel like, you know, people don't remember that they have the freedom to switch careers or do multiple things. I've been blessed to, you know, I feel like my ADHD is a superpower because I get bored easily. Once I get, you know, once I master something, I'm kind of bored with it and I need to, I like to be challenged. So I find a challenge in new things. So having all these different mediums and outlets of creativity keeps me constantly interested and stimulated. Otherwise, I just get bored, you know? <laughs> so I think... uh 
I think people, you know, need to remember, you know, like you said, like, you don't have, sure, you can, there's nothing wrong with working the same job forever if you're stoked about it, but I hear, I'm sure you have a lot of people like, man, I wish I could do what you do, I have a lot of people ask me, oh, I wish I could do what you do, it's like, yeah, well, it comes with, you know, working for yourself or living your dreams or doing something fringe, it comes with the, the same amount of sacrifice as, you know, working a nine-to-five job that you don't like, except for that you like it, <laughs> you Working for yourself is different because there is no, like, set schedule of hours. It's just constant, you know, go, constant things going on. And you have to constantly be open to opportunities as you start moving forward. But, um, you know, I think that there's an, an, an immense freedom to that. And I wish that more people, you know, could, could see that in themselves. Because I get so tired of hearing, oh, I hate my child. I wish I could do what you do. It's like, you can do whatever you're passionate about. It takes time takes energy this shit didn't happen overnight i didn't just one night say i'm gonna be a singer and start you know playing big shows i mean you know it it happened well it kind of did happen that way but that's only because i did music business first you know i went took myself to college doing music business for six years before i started my band so you know it takes time and and just learning and learning is endless you know it's like if you constantly stay in the act of learning you're going to constantly stay in the act of creating, you know? Absolutely. That's also the vibe, you know, like I'm sure G love was like, you're a great musician and he's like, and your vibe's good. If you're a great musician and your vibe's not, people don't want to associate themselves with bad vibes. You know, I tell people all the time, like, like, yeah, you're good on a bike, but what else you got? You know, you you could do the tricks. I get it. In that moment that, that works, but there's not many contest moments. So what's your value? Yeah. What's your value? What's your vibe? What's your what, what's your mojo? What do you got going on here? What's what's the deal? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I try to say like your soul is your currency. Like how you interact with the world, how you treat other people. I I've been trying to explain it to people like, okay, I'll I'll mess with you depending on how you treat other human beings. If you're willing to roll out the red carpet for say, your quote-unquote favorite celebrity who just showed up to your house randomly and roll out the red carpet and cater to them, but you won't even treat your own friends and family that way, I can't fuck with you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you got to treat everyone around you like they are the rock stars of your own life. And that's how we build each other up. That's how we support each other. And I think um, in our world, when people see people doing big things or on a large scale, they're like, I want to get with that person and do that thing you know and and they forget like but what about your homies around you who already support you or that you believe in like look to those people because uh, I would have a lot of kids email me like I want to work with this producer he made my favorite album that's like yeah but you don't know how you're gonna vibe with that producer that producer vibe with that band in that moment in a certain way and captured them but if you're just giving them a bunch of money and they don't really like their music it's not gonna get it's not gonna be the best for you so you really got to go to where people believe in you and support you, not just because they did something dope at a certain point in their career, you know? Well, and plus the person, I couldn't agree more. It's because then the person that's wanting to record with that producer has the intent that, like, they're going to make me a star like they did that band. Yeah, It's like, yeah, but what about like, a good song? What about, what's the vibe? What's the overall vibe? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of celebrities, like big celebrities, like like when I think of people like the Kardashians or something, I think it's like it's all smoke and mirrors. 
You know what yeah, I mean? It like, always is. You know what I mean? It's just like people just get caught up with that fame because I think people think they want to be famous, but like whatever happened to good work? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, oh, dude, I couldn't agree more. I talk about this all the time. It's like, honestly, the lifestyle of celebrity <clears throat> that's sold to us. I know a lot of people at a lot of different levels, and I can tell you that first and foremost, whether it's in entertainment or tech or whatever, you can never have enough money. You know, if you're constantly chasing money, chasing the fame, I find that people aren't as happy as you think they are, even though things look so great on paper, because, you know, you have more overhead, you have more stress, you have more this, you have more that, and when a certain amount of fame and celebrity come in, a lot of people want to talk to you and a lot of people want to be around you and it's lonely at the top. You know, for me, I want to be around people that care about my mental health, that people that like, I don't mind being exploited as long as it's by my real friends that care about me. You know what I mean? Like I don't mind exploiting my art, you know, and, and, and feeding everyone, but I want that people, those people to be my community and my friends, not some, you know, old rich dude that don't give a shit about me you know exactly um, yeah i mean i think so, yeah keep going no and just you know now uh, going back to g love one of the reasons why i really like his music is because he has always had something to say he has a song called this ain't living it's one of my favorite songs and it's talking about the perspective of someone living on the streets and he's very vocal about, you know, um, making a better world and making music about that stuff. And he interjects that into his music. And I feel for me, the satisfaction of creating music and, and in my evolution as an artist is the world is, we live in a, you know, pretty unhealthy society for the most part. Um, and I, you know, I can only speak to what I see where I am and, people don't seem happy and it's because we're disconnected because we're chasing paper. It's because we're chasing fame. It's because we're chasing whatever, instead of enjoying moments and creating genuine moments. And I think that's where real art comes in and real art also comes from pain and struggle. Jazz music came from black Americans plight in America. You know what I mean? Like art is created from the things that aren't so beautiful in the world. And we turn them into something that we can, uh, like words that we can express how we feel or we're trying to say something. Um, it's not strictly for entertainment. Don't get me wrong. Booty popping has its place too. I need some good booty popping music on days as well. But I think there's more that we can do with any amount of platform that we, that we have, you know? And I found a lot of, um, I found a lot of, of guidance in that through working with the sidewalk project. Um, which I've been working with for, I don't know, like three years now. I was which just getting ready friends? to bring that. That was a great transition because I was getting ready to bring that up too. The Sidewalk Project. Let's talk about this. Yeah, it's an organization that a few of my friends started. Soma, my friend Stacey D from Bad Cop, and Emily from Punk Rock and Paintbrushes started this organization. It was all outreach through to houseless communities through art and music. Because if you think about how our society looks at people who um, are drug users or who are homeless or houseless. We like to use the word houseless. Um, you know, they're looked down on and ignored and ignored by society and judged. And, like, that's the last thing you need when you're, you know, going through some shit. And so there's a lot of really, you know, we, we find that creativity does live in everyone to some capacity, whether that's through cooking or music or art 
And so we started bringing um, musical instruments and putting together, you know, little bands to jam with people and bringing art supplies to these communities to build relations and see where we can help, you know, because um, the girls had had, some of the girls had had their own struggle with addiction or houselessness. And I think as artists and people living on the fringes of society, we we see, you know, um, that that could be us that has been us and we need to look out for our neighbors like I don't even the amount of knowledge and perspective and jam sessions and beautifulness that I've found in the streets is more than I feel like I could ever give them <laughs> anyone you know what I mean like I don't look at it as help it's just being a good neighbor and I I wish that was more baked into our system where we could just see each other so I thought you know I found through this whole process that acknowledging someone's presence simply acknowledging someone's presence, which costs nothing, um, is a really powerful thing. And just listening to someone and be, showing up and being for th- there for them on their journey without judging them and, you know, telling them where you think they need to be and, you know what I mean? It's like, as artists, we get that. Like, I don't want someone coming in and telling me how to live my life, you know? I just want people to support me and my journey, and I think that everyone needs that. And so um, through art and music is a good way to uplift someone's spirit and remind them like we, that someone does care about you and that you do ha- that you are awesome. And, you know, it's cathartic to get out art and, and, you know, make music and make, you know, murals and stuff. So during COVID, you know, we were throwing these parties before COVID in the, in the streets and doing the harm reduction. We've more during COVID switched over to the harm reduction side of things and now have an office in downtown LA and work, have a needle exchange down there and work with a needle exchange in San Diego. And there's little chapters of sidewalk projects all over the country. And we all meet up and, you know, every week and talk about what we're learning through different communities and how we can um, help. Cause I guess for me, even going back into entertainment or releasing all this new music, I'm seeing a lot of, pain you know and a lot of people who need to be seen in the world and and be cared for so sometimes it's hard for me to be like hey check out my new single like guys like check this out it's like the world's hurting (laughs) like you know there's there's all these we have a housing crisis we're in the middle of an economic crisis and it's easy to be in the middle of our own bubbles and ignore it but I don't want to if I can't ignore it anymore I see it every day and I think that's what sidewalk project taught me was to not ignore and to see people and to I would rather have more time to talk to people and spend with people than to be super ridiculously rich. You know what I mean? Like that's not help. That doesn't feel good to my soul, you know? And a lot of people argue with me. It's like, well, if you just work super hard and get really rich, you know, then you can help more people. And it's like, dude, I, I don't need money to show up for someone to give someone my time. That costs nothing. You know, and I think we get into that trap like we need money to to be of service. Like, no, being of service just means showing up and being there for someone. It doesn't mean you have to have all the money in the world, you know. And um, I think now more than ever, we need time for each other. I think that's what last year taught me was like, oh, wow, I have time to go grow a garden. I have time to listen to people more. I have time to learn more instead of just being caught up in my own bullshit and in a hamster wheel all day, you know, and, and this feels like more progress is being made. You know? So you guys show so. up. That's awesome. So you guys, you, you show up and you do 
a number of different things artistically, like 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 paintings as well and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, pre-COVID, it's been different now because of of protocols that are set in place. But you know, um, we were bringing art supplies and doing murals with the community. The first person that um, Soma had connected with, or one of the first people Soma had connected with in, in the Skid Row community, was a guy named Shows Art and crucial and he is like the mayor of skid row and just an awesome dude an amazing artist and we started building uh, a relationship with him and that's how we started getting to know the community because i feel like people want to do nice things for the world or or nice things they'll they'll go down and bring food to these communities but usually they're just dropping off like fast food which isn't the greatest <laughs> for our bodies definitely not the greatest to put into your body for your mental health you know and if you're eating that all day and then also being ignored by people it's like you know it's not it's cool you can bring I'm not saying you're a bad person for bringing someone fast food to the streets by any means but I don't from my perspective and the work that I've you know been doing down there I see how that's not sustainable you know and um and we need to figure out better ways you know get people clean food get them basic human rights you know um i've had some friends argue with me that well people in the streets have mental health issues and are on drugs it's like dude i work in entertainment i know people with mental health issues and on drugs that live in houses i don't know what that has to do with basic human rights or not but (laughs) you know we we it's interesting because i i've really thought deeply about this you know with all this time off the road is uh we live, people go through all this trauma, right, at different times for different reasons, and then we're asked to bury that trauma and keep it moving, right? And it's like, or you try to open up and say, hey, I'm feeling depressed, or I'm not feeling so hot, or, you know, I kind of see through this bullshit, and I just don't want to subscribe to it anymore. And everyone goes, oh, you're just depressed, or you're crazy, like, just take some pills and, you know, keep it moving. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, so we're not allowed to feel, you know, it's it's not abnormal. I don't think it's abnormal, especially in the society we're in, for people to be depressed or angry or upset. You know, we need to be able to talk about our emotions and work through them instead of suppressing them. And, you know, I, I don't, so, I, you know, the mental health discussion, I like that it's a, a topic of conversation now where people can be more vulnerable. But I find that, <clears throat> excuse me, I find that when we talk about our, um, struggles or our emotions and we make ourselves vulnerable to each other, we find a lot of camaraderie and unity in, in that pain because you find that people have gone through all, you never know what someone's been through, you know, and you think you're the only one feeling like, oh, I feel bad and I'm the only one that's been through some crazy shit. But when you start talking to people about it, you find that most people have been through some crazy shit. And there's a... a a unity to our pain. And and I think at that point, our pain becomes our relation to the world, you know, and we can start being there for each other. I also found that a lot of people haven't dealt with their own trauma and pain and have buried it for so long. It's really hard for them to recognize someone else's perspective in pain because they haven't dealt with their own yet. So that's why you have these people like, what's your struggle? What about my struggle? What, What about this? And what about that? And it's like, no one's, denying any one of their struggles and and traumas and things they've had to overcome but if you've gone through some real ass shit you should be able to and you and you've been able to deal with it and think about it and work through it 
you should be able to recognize someone else's pain and relate to it and be empathetic to it instead of arguing with them and being like, well, my pain's more than yours. It's like, <laughs> it's not a contest, you know? Yeah. So. Well, definitely things happen to people and, you know, uh, everybody's life and these things that you have to, to accept and the acceptance just could be the toughest part. It is the toughest part a lot of times. Um, it's yeah, awesome. We don't have a lot of coping tools. We need to learn coping skills. Like I have had shit. I had to work really hard as an adult to have coping skills. Like my, um, my mom was, had her own mental health issues. I was adopted and my adopted mom had her own mental health issues and they, she kept me sick. She had this thing called Munchausen by proxy, I think is what they call it. But she kept me sick ever since I was a kid. Wait, what was it called? What was it called? I think it's called Munchausen by proxy. And it's where you keep someone sick so that you always have something to fix. Basically, even when they're not sick, you know, and, um, it's like, a, I think it's a thing that happens when people um, suffer severe trauma and can't deal with their own trauma. So their way of dealing with it is always helping and fixing everything around them, even when nothing's wrong. So I was, you know, locked in mental facilities from the time I was eight until I was 15. And this was when mental health drugs were first coming out. So they were, I was definitely a guinea pig for a lot of things like lithium and Ritalin and Prozac. And I'm not saying mental health, you know, medications don't have their place in the world. I'm not anti-anything. I think people should do what they feel is right for them. I'm just simply sharing my own perspective. Wait, but you, but, were, um, you, but you were put in mental uh, institution for what reason? If you're, if you're uh, a mother had. Just, yeah, just because my mom, it, it was kind of messed up. My mom was a nurse, and she was a great nurse, and she always went above and beyond for people. And um, so when all the, she would take me to these doctors and be like, I think there's something wrong with my daughter. And they're like, there's nothing wrong with her. And she would keep taking me doctor and doctor and doctor until they'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. Oh, Something's I see what you're saying. So she said she, then, she she was trying to fix you even though nothing was wrong with you is what you're saying. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. So, um, so because of being on all these really crazy medications from a young age, eight years old, you know, um, I, I, around that time they started having me on like 10, 10 pills a day, you know, everything from antipsychotics to anti-seizure medication to Ritalin to all this stuff, you know? And, um, and so I, I feel like my brain didn't develop coping mechanisms because I was pretty drugged up most of my childhood. So as an adult, I had to work really hard to be able to go from point A to point C without going straight to Z. Cause my, I never, I was on so much, much substance that when things would happen, I was kind of numb or like kind of zombied out. So I, my brain didn't learn how to like cope with anything. And I think people go through that even without, you know, those jobs were not given tools necessarily to cope. And, you know, so for me, I battled a lot of um, anxiety and depression because I didn't know how to deal with shit. Because I was like a zombie when emotions would happen as a young, as, and it takes work. It takes retraining your brain and retraining perspective, you know, um, it's not easy, but you know, nothing, nothing that's more permanent is easy. It's easy to, you know, take a quick fix or, you know, it'd be easy for me to just pop a volume every day and not deal with anxiety, you know, but it takes work and, and no, I, that I've shit learned gives you, that shit gives you anxiety. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it takes work. You know, I, I've, I think that's why art is so important to me because that is like therapy. That's how I work through my emotions. And that's, you know, how I write my feelings out. And that's how I eventually deal with stuff. And I think that's why music makes people, you know, that's why people like music. It's because they can identify like, oh, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Right. You know. Or, or to feel good. Yeah. You know, sometimes. Or to sometimes feel good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because yeah. sometimes. It's kind of like, you know, a long time ago, I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and like, people work all day. He's actually, he, he's actually was telling me his perspective, and, and it stuck with me. He's, he's like, look, people work all day, they work jobs they don't like, they want to just laugh. So I'm that yeah. guy to, to entertain them, or, you know, movies that aren't like in depth that make you feel, make you cry. People might not want to deal with that. They just, you know, they just want to laugh. I don't. You know what I mean, though? I watch, they just want to laugh. Yeah, they want to feel good. They don't want to be like, oh, my gosh, just, you know, we need to change the world with every song we write. No, not necessarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, most of the songs, especially in Beans That Are Moneymakers, like, we've made funk and ska and soul music, right? So it's all upbeat songs. But at the time, like, I'm dealing with a bunch of friends dying, my mom dying, finding friends dead. I was going through a lot of stuff, but all the songs I wrote were for a more positive perspective like okay I'm going through this stuff but here's the silver lining I'm glad that this person was in my life at all this is the lesson I learned tomorrow is going to be a new day and it was all you know that pain was there but I was always trying to flip it into like the silver lining perspective you know of of going through that and because it was all set to happy music it made people want to dance you know and I, I agree like i me personally, I don't watch scary movies. I'm real careful about what I ingest into my brain. Again, going back to mental health, if you're constantly putting, you know, fear, like, I don't understand why we want to be scared. Like, I look at life and I'm like, life is, has its own scariness enough. I don't need to, especially as a woman in the world, like, I don't need to be watching, like, thrillers and scary movies so when i'm on tour i'm not i'm loading out in a dark alley by myself at 4 a.m i'm thinking oh someone can come murder or rape me like i don't need to have that in my brain like i need to i'm always trying to keep my mind uplifted and not feed my brain all that stuff you know what i mean not to say that it couldn't happen but i don't need to have that constantly in my brain so i'm really careful about what i digest laughter is a great medicine you know i i do think we can be deep and take life not so serious, you know, too seriously at the same time and, and keep things light because there has to be a balance, you know, like right now it's like we consume all this news and all this media of all this terrible shit that's happening in the world and around us. And it's like, really all I have control over is this moment right now and what's around me. That's what I have to control. If I sit around and watch bad uh, you know, negative stuff all day that I feel like there's nothing I can do. But there's a lot I can do every day. I can smile at the clerk at the gas station. I can ask people how they're genuinely doing. I can walk around kind of being sunshine wherever I go instead of angry or, or you know, upset that I can't do anything about the problems of the world. You know, Whoa. I think... But you, I, you know. I, I, I like that. And you know what you said is you, you earlier is like you're careful what you put in your head. Check it out. Yeah. I got, I got rid of my cable about two years ago. I was always had the news on and I was going down that rabbit hole and I wanted to test to see like what my body felt like if I didn't watch that shit. And guess what? Yeah. I have way less anxiety in my life. Like if yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you, they project like the fear of like, is it the fear of dying or the fear of living? 
Because guess what? I don't need to hear all that stuff all day. I don't need to have it on in the background. I was talking to Stu the other day. He's like, I don't want to get rid of my cable because, you know, I just always have the news on and you should have it on. I'm like, yeah, your brain's listening to just a bunch of stuff that you don't really need to listen to because they have agendas they're trying to push. Yeah. And so yeah, you want that anxiety, you're paying for it. I'm like, dude, I'm saving 100 bucks a month, 1200 a year to have less anxiety. Yeah, and you're and you're in control. You're in control of it. Okay, it's kind of like this. Like, if you're listening to music, you're in control of what you're listening to. You know, I don't want to listen to that uh, band. I'm going to listen to this one. So I told this dude the other day at the mechanic shop. He's ranting and raving about all this stuff, and I'm like, just turn it off. He's like, what? I go, turn it off. Go do something else. Quit watching it. That's the problem. The problem is you keep watching it. Stop watching it. But it's, it's funny because if you look at the psychology of it all, like, fear and excitement have the same feeling of emotion, right? Of course, There's yes. not a separate feeling for each of those. So, same reason, like, why we want to go on roller coasters and scare ourselves, you know, because it's also exciting to a certain degree. But we get into this habit. I think there is something called the roller coaster effect, which happens in a lot of movies, too. It's like, great tragedy happens in the movie, and... It takes you on this roller coaster ride, and there's a happy ending. You finally get to a happy ending. But A, life isn't always like that. And B, like, I don't need, like, life's a roller coaster enough for me. I don't need it to be taken on any more rides. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, uh, I think that it's very important to be careful about what we're digesting and, you know, and remember that. Like, no one teaches us how to stay present. Like, when I get anxiety, I try to remind myself, oh, that's just me trying to live in a moment I'm not in yet. You know, like, I need to focus on right now. Like, right now, all I can do is have this conversation with you. I can't worry about what I'm doing even an hour from now because I can't do it. There's nothing that's pointless, you know. But practicing 100% being in the moment, which is difficult in this time because you got social media that we're addicted to. We got to check our phones every five seconds. We got phone calls and emails and texts and all this stuff happening i started recently just putting my phone in do not disturb mode all day just so i'm not constantly distracted you know if i have meetings set up i have an alarm for the meeting or whatever but i don't i can control what where my time goes i don't have to be available to everyone all day every day all the time like i need to be able to focus on what i need to do you know for my own health for you know, for my own goals. And I don't, I think we are kind of in this cycle where we feel like we have to answer someone right away or it's rude. Or if I don't answer this email in the next hour, I'll miss out on the opportunity. It's like, but we're agreeing to that. That's why that exists. You could just not, you could just not agree to it. (laughs) And just, you know, exactly. And, um, And, you know, I just, I just, I, I agree with you and, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. It's like what you feed your brain is what you get. Those are your thoughts. Yeah. You know? And whatever you practice, whatever you practice is what you get good at, right? I can Absolutely. practice finding the negative and everything and I'm going to find the negative and everything. Or I can also practice, you know, finding the beautiful part. Like there's a lot of people doing a lot of beautiful work in the world. They're the unsung heroes. They're the people that, that don't say anything about what they're doing that are just going about trying to be a good human and kind to the world and that's not on the news every day but I promise there's a lot of that happening I talk to those people regularly and people that are doing uplifting things and helping in education and mental health and just showing up for each other 
but that's not exciting. You know what I mean? To, I, to the to ratings, I guess. I find that when we use our platforms to show what's possible and show good things, it inspires people to, to know that it's possible. Um, although the news doesn't have that same idea, that's what I like to use my platform for. And also to be real and just be like, yo, today I'm depressed. My life isn't a highlight reel. Some days I have bad days and that's okay. It's okay to be a human. It's okay to not be okay. Um, let's just find healthy outlets, you know, for it. And let's try to put good things into our brain and good food into our body. And, you know, that brings me to my next point of like sugar. Like I'm highly addicted to sugar and that shit wreaks havoc on my body and mental health. So that's my newest like um, thing I'm trying to curb is my sugar addiction, <laughs> you know, because I, re I realize how it affects me. You know what else that that helps a lot, like with people and and the way that where they're going and how they feel about themselves and everything is is your power of speech and your thinking. Because when you say things, your subconscious mind listens and takes it literal and doesn't really know the difference at all between like rich or poor, hot or cold. Hot, it, only what you think and say and what you verbally say, and so. Right. That also affects your your way of thinking and what you because you you just can't see something and go okay that's how I'm gonna think now so you still have your own opinion but it's like the things that you tell yeah. yourself through the day and your speech you know it's like when people say what have you been up to and people say dude working tired working tired you're gonna be more tired and you're gonna work more because you keep saying yeah. it you keep saying it I'm really into yeah. that I'm really into that whole like power of speech really really oh, it's, steers you down the road it, you know what i mean it's super important i even got to the point you know like people like to be sarcastic and shit talk well that's a slippery slope yeah of course it's fun shit talking but if you keep doing it you get really good at that too and i got to a point where i don't want to even jokingly speak ill of anybody i don't want to get into a habit of shit talking about other people i think people also bond over um disliking the same things and you want to talk about it and it's like I don't I don't want to speak about anyone unkindly you know I want to uplift the people around me and if I'm and I, I train my brain now to like if I if someone's doing something that I don't like or you know it's usually a reflection of something in myself that I've done or do that I don't like and I try to immediately like when someone does something and I don't like it I'm like hmm, I probably do that I'm gonna make note that that doesn't feel great and I'm not gonna do that instead of being like oh this person has like we're all reflections of each other so you know yourself is the hardest person to face but sometimes you just gotta be honest and be like do I do that you know do I treat people like that or do I have those reactions that doesn't feel very good and instead of making it about someone else, I try to, you know, recognize that that may also live in me and maybe that's something I need to work on. I take it as a reminder, not as a moment to bash somebody else, you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, also, too, let's talk about your, you, you, you got your, uh, your clothing. Yes, I have this clothing line, which started What's the out boutique? of... Beeb's Boutique. Beeb's Boutique. It started out of, actually, I... I think my whole idea of coming up with it was from being on Warp Tour and realizing that we all ordered the same shirts and just put our logos on them. And there wasn't a lot of stuff for girls, for women and girls, A. And B, um, it's like, yeah, it's just t-shirts, you know, like it's cool or whatever. But um, 
I wanted to create more exciting things to the point where I like didn't really care if my name was super big on it. I just wanted it to be cool, bright, colorful things that pe- that made people feel good. Right now, I'm in this Be Kind kick. I made a piece of art called, that says Be Kind, and I've been printing it on everything. And I don't, my name is in the tag, but my name isn't anywhere on the shirt because at this point, I just feel like we all need reminders <laughs> to humanity, and I think that's more important than anyone seeing my name or logo so um that's kind of where my head's been at but I, I did get the opportunity to collab with Bootsy Collins who's like one of my heroes he's like really badass bass player played for James Brown when he was like 17 and went on to play for Parliament Funkadelic but he's like also you know a fashion icon as well and so we uh linked at NAM and they're like we love your fashion I was like you're the fashion king what are you talking about <laughs> like well, we want to do this clothing collab. I'm okay. So um, that was my first clothing collab, and I got to do that. I had time to focus on that last year, which was cool. And um, really focusing on, um, you know, A, I, I try to make everything go together. So a part of all proceeds from my clothing line go back to the Sidewalk Project. And I like that because I know where the supplies of Sidewalk Project go. I know they're not just going to somebody's operating costs or administrative fees. I, I bring the supplies to the streets or you know, our, our collective does. So I, I know where those resources are going for a fact. And so, um, you know, just kind of feeding everything back into the things that I'm passionate about in life. And my biggest passion with fashion is bright colors. And I think, you know, I, I'm really into wearing, you know, extremely bright colors and crazy outfits because, I think you wake up every morning and have um, the option to be your own work of art every day. And I notice that when I, especially with yellow, I'm really into like how colors affect moods and your mental health and stuff. And yellow is just one of those colors of sunshine, you know, and I wear a lot of yellow because when I'm out, you know, I see people like in their own, especially when, when we went into lockdown and I started to go to the grocery store and people who can't see each other's smiles and interact. But I can see how it pulls people out of their heads for a moment. They're like, oh, man, I love those pants. They're so bright, you know. And I think just that. It's not about me. It's just about bringing someone into the moment for for even if it's briefly, you know, staying in that practice of learning to be in the moment or pulling someone into the moment instead of deeply in our own heads worrying about news or whatever else we consume that day. And so to me, that's what fashion is. It's part of a it's part of the shield you know, and my, my warrior shield of how to interact with the world and kind of make it a, a brighter, happier place, you know. That's awesome. Where can somebody uh, check out your stuff? Obviously online, right? You got a website and stuff? Yeah, you can go to beebsmusic.com and there's a tab that says boutique and it has all the all the, uh, all the the stuff on there. So I tie-dye all this myself um, and then just, you know, design the clothes and I'm really working hard to get to a point where, you know, I want everything that I'm working on manufactured in the U.S. and supporting jobs in the U.S., like not ordering, you know, I don't, not caring about insane profit margins, you know what I mean? I think that's the this horrible thing that we're in. I want to support locals, you know, and I want to support local businesses and local makers because we're in this habit of, like, buying shit on Amazon for the cheap and getting it the next day. And we don't realize that it takes time to make stuff and it takes time to hand make stuff. And we could be ordering even blank shirts or whatever we're using 
products, we could be ordering and find the manufacturing in the U.S. It's going to cost a little bit more, and it's going to make your profit margins go down, but, like, it's going to be more sustainable for our economy. And so that's kind of, you know, where I'm always, where my head's always at, too. Even if it's on a small scale, I'm not going to change U.S. manufacturing by myself or anything. But just being aware of it, and, again, people want to bitch about all these problems in the world, but it starts with us. It starts with where we invest our money, where we spend our money, what we spend our money on, and and what, you know, what we're supporting. And so that's kind of always where I'm at. You know, I, I like, just like I like collabing with other artists making music, I like collabing with other make, makers, you know, and woodworking people and other artists. A lot of the art on the clothes is either mine or my friends. It's another way to put my friend's artwork out there and give back to my friends and, you know, just supporting each other. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of my whole thing with the clothing line. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, you have so much go." Like, the music industry doesn't understand me at all, <laughs> you know, um, because I'm in a lot of different scenes, like the reggae scene, the punk rock scene, the jam band scene, and all these, the ska scene. And they're like, Beebs, you have so much going on. Like, you know, a lot of, like, labels or managers over the years have been like we don't get like get you you need to focus on one thing and I'm like but they all go together and they're all a part of me and you know I don't understand how you don't see how they go together so that's been a blessing because it's forced me to create my own team of people and my own thing you know so that I can do all these things and show people that you don't have to be in a box you know yeah yeah you don't you don't you definitely don't have to be in a box and you're proving that to the world uh, what's your Instagram where people could hit you up at? My Instagram is at Beebs Money. Yeah, awesome. Because I believe that your soul is your currency. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hell yeah. Well, I'm stoked for you. Yeah. I'm stoked that I'm stoked with the G Love. I'm stoked with your clothing line, the sidewalk sidewalk yeah. project. And you got it going on. And, and, and I'm stoked for you, Rick. Thank thank you for like continuing. You know your cooking show and your podcast and. You, you're the same just being so creative and I don't even think we told anyone like I didn't know Rick before a couple of years ago but we met at Kevin Lyman's house and we were cornhole partners we are now world cornhole champions we're, aren't we going to the Olympics soon I yeah think? I just got the email so, they, they wanted to fly us to China even during COVID because we, uh, we need to start we need to start training <laughs> <laughs> Check her out. Check out what she's doing. She's a really cool person. She's got a lot of cool shit going on. And thanks a lot for listening. All right, stay rad. Peace out.